0: Welcome back to yet another episode of the Silverstein podcast. We still have not, at this point, decided upon a name yet. So that Silverstein podcast. I will say though, when when Sam Guyana sent me the audio, he called it Silvercast, and I still think that that's the worst name. So I don't think we're going to go with
1: that one. It's too obvious at this we, point. We I, I think, it. yeah, we're cast, we're- cast into. Pods or whatever just I think was pretty good pretty good yeah. pretty good but yeah. if it is the pieces the, being a new episode and here we are with a new piece of an episode Paul you're a real
0: podcast host man with that segue I, look I, at that
1: I listen to them I love them we're back <laughs> we have a new
0: one we have a new one what we're here
1: tonight is us with we're, ourselves
0: I'm excited to talk about this song this um you know we're doing song by song and this one if you read the the title is about our song die alone um, Josh, do you think this is the heaviest Silverstein song yet? Heavy is so subjective. Yes, uh, it is. It, it is definitely
2: in the running. <laughs> um, th- you know, sometimes I find fast songs less heavy. You know, sometimes I think heavy is slow. How can you go fast when it's heavy? You're carrying that weight mm-hmm. that quickly. No. Uh, however, um, maybe one of the most pissed off. Yeah.
1: Way I mean whisk. this song weighs a lot It, it does weigh heavy. a lot yes. Yeah well we had to forklift it right into the studio I believe that was the only way it was going to get done
2: I remember hearing The demo and thinking Shane you okay Are, are you alright
0: <laughs> I don't know if I was We
3: good oh, man home?
0: Yeah I don't know um, Yeah it's it's funny you know I got this was kind of my You know my joint I guess if we can use a word for it. And I was just thinking to myself, like when some of the demos were kind of coming in, I was like, okay, these are all great songs. I'd like for us to have one on this record that's like pretty pummeling and pretty aggressive. And not to say there wasn't a song like that on A Beautiful Place to Drown, but there kind of wasn't, right? Like, you know what I mean? We didn't have any punk fast beats. There wasn't like huge, massive, like, kill you breakdowns that I can recall. So that was kind of the thing. And I literally just had this, that chorus in my head when I was driving one day, like and I was like, is that something else? And I, I went home quickly and I made a little demo of just that part. I was like, and I sent it to like everyone I knew. And I was like, is this another song? And everybody came back to me with like, "Mm, don't think so, man. It's pretty cool. You should maybe work on that.
1: And with a heavy part like that, sometimes it's the real less is more approach. Like the the very blatant, harsh shots with the soaring feedback, it's less is more, just makes the part punch you in the face. Yeah. And, you know, and, and for me, this song is really taken. I think, a bunch of turns. I think the demo felt pretty metal. I think that was the way that I perceived it the first time I heard it. And mm-hmm. then I feel like, the the song's kind of gone through an evolution for me, where where it really feels right in our what the fans like to deem post-hardcore and a bit of a throwback sound, like but still with our modern production, still with some of the tricks that we do nowadays. But it's really interesting. It, it really sits in a nice place. Um, it's looking back and looking forward at the same time.
0: Absolutely, Bill. You looked like you were going to say something.
1: I was. Yeah. So
4: I was. I was with. Um, uh, I've always wanted to say this too, so I'm really happy that I get to say this. Uh, Go. I was I was with friend of the pod, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that night, and you and you texted to him. You texted him saying, "I just wrote this riff. Like, d- does this sound like like is, is this under oath or like what is this? Like, is this every time I die? Like, what 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 is this part?" And we listened to it, and I was like, "I don't think that's anything." And then I think we even like we went through because I was like is it on Define the Great Line or something And we like went through and put on Define the Great Line on vinyl and like we're like no it's not oh, yeah. it's like great great song Shane like <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it, it kind of reminds yeah Define the Great Line it's, it's an interesting one um, and it, there's like a sort of a tone to it that's similar I think like there's like a what's one under song Under Oath song where they do like that kind of punchy thing where it's like Spencer's like No, 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 no. Like he kind of does that sort yeah. of pattern. Um so maybe that was that was like why that came to mind. Um, and, and obviously just the, the the lowness and craziness and feedback and everything. Mm-hmm. But Under Oath would never do like a fast punk beat like that i don't think
4: i don't think yeah there is that like one that. there is that one like barn burner on that record um that they were always playing last in their set in that era um i believe i, I don't have the track listing here i've I, uh i feel like the names on that record don't correlate with me with what the song is but um immediately like was like is it that and it definitely wasn't that so mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. just like this is great
1: yeah, it, it definitely came at a good time. I think we're we're in the writing sessions and everything that was kind of be, being passed around, which was all pretty much virtual, right? It was us on Zooms, on emails and text, trying to get the pieces of this record together before we went to the studio, which happened afterwards. But um, you know, yeah, I think we were kind of like pushing the boundaries of like, all right, let's let's see how heavy heavy can be. And and you brought this in, I think, ahead of some other heavier songs, and really kind of set the bar. And, and yeah, really kind of open up the record to be like, okay, we can do both. And we're gladly going to do both on this record of like, you know, pop your more straight ahead and way, way heavy in your face.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And I remember I sent the song to Paul Mark uh, pretty early on too. Uh, and Paul Mark's not here today, by the way, everybody, because he is feeling ill. Um, And he said like, dude, this is great. Uh, But do we need the
1: singing? That was another thing he said. I remember and, and I was fighting for the singing because it's, it's true to the post-hardcore. The unnecessary switch from screaming to singing <laughs> at, the, at the emotional part that you feel necessary is what got us into the style of music, I think, and what holds us true to it. So right. I was always a big team. Random singing works for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, 100%. And, I, and I, I do think the same thing. Um, and it reminded me a little bit to go back to another song that... The four of us all remember very well uh, "Bleeds No More" from our very first album, and a song that also was like, "Hey, can we do this? Like, is this are we this kind of band that can do a song that is a majority of screaming?" And at the time, I think there was some debate on whether this was like a Silverstein song or if it was like too in the metal world or whatever for. For what we were doing up to that point, I think "Bleeds No More" was
2: definitely our heaviest song at that point, point. Um, and it also was like maybe the the punkiest. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the, that the too. Fastest, um, so definite, definite uh, correlation between these two. I, I think this is this is perhaps the new "Bleeds No More." Oh no, are we gonna have to? F- close with this song for the next
1: seven (laughs) to 10 years (laughs) at least we'll be nice and warmed up by the time it hits the set but i mean yeah it's like if you were to draw a straight line from bleed zone more to die alone which is 10 albums worth you know you have short songs right in the middle which i think is the anchor you know i mean there's there's many a song there that you know bleeds that blends the two uh into one and then yeah you have born dead on the one side you have you know, the artists on the other side, you have like tons of stuff that really, I think that this is a sound that maybe gets overlooked when we're making a record because it almost seems like, well, we've done it, but like there's new ways to do it. And oh boy, did we do it differently this time too.
4: I don't want to get uh, too ahead of ourselves here in the discussion, but a, uh, a certain guest told me that immediately when he heard it, he thought Propaganda Fuck the Border, a wow. song that we covered, a song that's, you know... Greatly influenced, and that that was uh, we're we're talking about Andrew Newfeld from Comeback Kid. That was his uh, inspiration for for his vocal performance. Was to he was like I went full Chris Hannah on it. So great, <laughs> yeah. That's it, interesting because
0: I don't I don't hear much propagandi. I mean, it is like a little bit shreddy and like obviously very fast, like punk beat, like pro, something Propagandi would do. But propagandi is also not going to tune to fucking A sharp. Yeah, totally. You know, that's that's like the other. The other difference. And yes, Andrew will be joining us uh, a little bit later on to get his take on what he thought of the song from um, right from his own words and also the video we made too, which we'll talk about too in a bit. Um, but no, I think the singing, to go back to the, the point about the singing in the song, that is kind of random, but I do think without it, it isn't a Silverstein song. The same way that without that midsection Bleeds No More you know, uh, I wanted to, that whole part. Um, I don't know if it's a Silverstein song either. And I think that that's, not that we have to necessarily only make music that is expected of us, but like there's something to be said for it it sounding like our band up to a point, right? Totally.
1: And, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the last pieces was not, was it the intro that you wrote? Because I feel like the intro really sets it up to be a Silverstein song melodically, guitar-wise, and then it takes the left turns and it goes all over the place, and then the singing comes back and also kind of like, yeah, like sells it as us. It's a definitely a big journey in that way.
4: 100%. I think w- while you're talking about the intro, um, I think it was Wyatt, Wyatt Clough-Wafka, our uh, video director, sort of our creative collaborator here. He had mentioned something about the, the intro specifically of this song, uh, seeming like a throwback to early Silverstein because of a conversation he had with Josh about how back in the day, like, you know, with a lot of the songs on specifically, I think on discovering the waterfront that like um, uh, Josh and Neil were kind of like playing off each other in this way that it was like, didn't necessarily make, make sense on its own. It kind of made sense together. Like, you know, one person's playing more of a noodly lead riff and then that switches and someone else is playing, you know, and I think that this song has a bit of that.
0: Totally. I mean, I remember you saying to me, Bill, you don't know what the hell the bass is doing in that intro. Um, yeah. I mean, it, is, like- it is like, it is kind of a strange part. Like the drums are really like fast and with the high, like a real, like a fast hi hat beat. And then, you know, it's true. It's like everyone's playing a different thing, but I kind of like the chaos of that. And then it goes into something that's obviously pretty straight ahead, but still chaotic, just in a different way, you know?
1: yeah, it's like you have chaos, you have a bit of structure, and then you have the massive release repeat. it is yeah, it's structurally, it's so different in that way. So I think you know, I think and, and you know, and when it comes to a record too, it's nice to be able to have songs like this to just be free form, be exciting, and really dynamic, and let the emotions carry it and not be so structured because, oh, the song needs to be like this. The song just goes where it goes, and uh, it packs a lot of punch.
0: Yes, no, 100%. Um, I was, yeah, I mean, I think I'm a little surprised it shook out to be in the two-hole of the record. Um, the more that, the more that I listen to the record, though, I kind of like it there, because it kind of sets the tone early of this record being such a, uh, what's the word? I don't know, just a diverse record, I guess, with just a lot of different sorts of songs and different sorts of, of sounds. And I do think, Um, as recording this, our, the song hasn't come out yet as recording this. So like our fans haven't heard us. We haven't had the feedback yet from the fans, but I, I think they're going to be pretty stoked on this one.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was big debate. Uh, I mean, I, I was unsure about it in the second slot of the record, but as I, you know, listen to the record in full now and, and be, you know, a little bit more detached from each song individually and more just the album, it does seem to really fit well. Um, and I can't really imagine it anywhere else on the album.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I remember when we were doing having that day, uh, which I know for, for Billy, especially, and myself, like the sequencing of the record and like getting all that figured out is like very important um, and something that I know I spend a lot of time with and I know you do too, Billy. And I remember like when we listened to the songs in a certain order that we kind of like planned out when, when we actually spent a day in the studio and was like, all right, we're going to play through this record. There were, there were songs that were just like, oh, maybe we, we can't do this. Like we couldn't have... like I think we were going to have It's Over pretty early in the record, like maybe track two. And then we decided it wasn't going to work because it was, had a similar like tone to another one. And then when we heard Die Alone and Ultraviolet back to back because they're in the same key, it like really worked and it like really solidified. Like they kind of glued together in, in like a cool way. I don't know if anybody else remembers that.
4: Yeah, totally. I think yeah. I might have even had that in my sequencing and I said like like I heard that really early on and I think it, it kind of uh I always relate this to like a like being a DJ and b being like so into like making mixtapes that I'm always just like constantly thinking about like what track comes next and like what the vibe uh, is and if a song if a song does, Kind of stitched together in the same key, or you know, it's just like sort of classic DJ like one on one. So I, so I think that I had listened to them and I was shuffling some stuff around, and I, I uh, was the one that said we gotta, we gotta go die alone right in ultraviolet. It was just like too perfect for me.
0: Yeah, and and it really is. It really is. There's something about them. The songs are are different, but they are in the same key, and it and it totally works. And the label, I forgot about this until literally right the second the label wanted to make die alone the first single with the rollout of the record. Right.
1: Yeah. Instead of it's over. Right. I think we all like kind of knew the five songs, the fifth being bankrupt, which came out ahead of any of this really coming together, but the four additional songs. Yeah. There was like bankrupt die alone. I don't know. (laughs) Ultraviolet live like this, whatever. But then we were like, let's swap. It's over and, or, and, and die alone or whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, I think I think it comes at a really good good time. I mean, the label, um, super supportive. I think just as diverse as this record is, the label wanted to show showcase, you know, a diverse selection of singles. And I totally agree. Like it's it's great for our fans to be able to experience a bunch of those different moments and not have to wait to the record to see what else we have to offer
0: yeah totally you know you're on a cool label when they want this to be <laughs> one of the single <laughs> like, I mean,
1: main single i was like what really i remember telling yeah like andrew i was like dude we you gotta shoot a video for this and he's like i mean it's gonna be a single he's like seriously i'm like yeah we're yeah. going nuts with it we want to have a head turner like wh- why not you know like 100
4: so I, I i sort of have a question um shane this song is written in what we love to call bad Gabe tuning, um, but mm-hmm. tuned even further down to an A flat or an A sharp, I guess. To me, that was like something that was brought to our band through Paul Mark from doing some writing sessions with Steven Brodsky from Cave in and Mutoid Man. We did uh, use it in, in Retrograde, which was like a, a Shane, uh, like originally a Shane riff, an idea that kind of got adapted into bad Gabe. No, I wrote it in bad Gabe. Oh, you wrote it in bad Gabe. Okay, so yeah, so I, I guess I just wanted. I think I I want to know like what's your, uh, take on bad Gabe and like <laughs> it, like it, integrating that into the sound of and into your writing. You know. Yes, bad
0: Gabe being the tuning being B A D G B E, so bad bad Gabe. Um, yeah. Well, well, from the the story that I heard from Paul Mark originally was that he was writing with with Stephen Brodsky and. Stephen is writing like stuff, I guess, with different people all the time, right? And typically, I guess if you're writing in like the pop world or whatever, um people are just their guitars are just tuned to standard, like standard tuning e e a d g b e, right? And that's just not cool and not heavy. <laughs> so what he would do is is just like very quickly, he would just tune his low string all the way down to B. So that he could play something like just just super low and heavy on the low string. While not like sacrificing the tuning of the entire guitar. So that's, that's from what I understand how he came up with this tuning originally. And he kind of showed it to Paul Mark I guess when they were writing. Paul Mark was just like yo just try it man. It's like pretty cool. It's low. It's heavy. But it also like puts you in the riff zone. So I tried it out. And I think in about five minutes I wrote that riff. The first riff for Retrograde. And then was like, okay, this is cool. And then I, the rest of the song was a total struggle because all the chord shapes that you're used to playing in a regular tuning on a guitar are completely different. So it's almost like you have to completely relearn where your fingers are supposed to go on a guitar. But I like the tuning. And the reason that it's in a half step lower than, than Bad Gabe is because almost all my guitars are tuned a half step down to begin with. So then I just did the same thing. I just turned tuned the low string down so it matched and it happened to be an a sharp and I didn't even really realize it until I like recorded it and was like, oh, it's not it's not a b it's an a it's an a sharp, but hey, that's cool and that's kind of what happened with ultraviolet too i guess yeah lots of
2: lots of different tunings on this record we We didn't really uh give much uh thought to you know. How we're gonna do that live because we don't need to anymore because there's these computers that can make your guitar whatever pitch you want you know we're all over the place whatever the song sounded best in that's where we're at
1: that's such a unique observation to you right where like a lot of the records would have one or two tunings because it was just practical you'd bring two guitars on the road there's your two tunings easy but now we the sky's the limit you know it's it's great that's that's why the records get more diverse we still bring a lot of fucking guitars, though. Oh yeah, you bring because <laughs> so you, yeah, because It makes the guitar techs really sad, and that's funny to watch. So we just oh, yeah, so. <laughs> yes, yeah, cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> I, I'm gonna bring seven drum kits and only use one of them just to make Spencer really sad. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like the isn't the drummer for Tool that that changed all his drums to like melted down cymbals or something? And yeah, the... so they weigh like 500 pounds. <laughs> yeah, his drum tech quit the next day. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, um, we talked about the early rendition of the song, the early demo. I have it here. Um, This is probably going to be a bit of a trip for everybody. Haven't heard this in a little while. Here it is. Original demo of Die Alone. Um, If the recording sounds shitty, it's because I recorded it. Here we go. The course, the words are different, it the an extra time. I this is the same thing, just copy paste. Lost in my computer, I can't find my way out. There I am. I found you guys. I was lost in in my my uh, a sea of web browser tabs, but I found my way back. Um, there it is. That's the original demo of Dialone. Um,
4: what do you guys think? S- something that uh, that jumped out to me there that I I uh, think we should talk about is um, obviously there's a bit of a talking uh, clip in there. It yeah. is a movie sample. And uh, I think that we kind of come from like a generation or a scene of bands in like the late 90s and early 2000s that would like always have a movie sample in their records. Like I can think of like five off the top of my head, like Lifetime, New Found Glory, Saves the Day, Piebald, like all these bands had... um, had movie clips and it was like just always such a cool thing and we and we loved it and we always wanted to do it. We've done it a few times over the years with "Bleeds No More." We did it with um, uh, a song on "Dead Reflection," Mirrorbox. Um, Mirrorbox. Okay. yeah. Um, we we've done it a couple times and I think it's like it's all, we always think it's really cool and then the label's always like, uh, w- wait, what? What are we supposed to do with that? And like, are we gonna get sued? Are we gonna sort of? Are, are we gonna have to right like have a have something here in the past I mean we've gone and and did that with this too has gone and like replicated the the clip from the movie well, uh, most with,
1: famously on bleed some more right yeah we, exactly yeah the the when the shadows beam version the self-release CP had the movie sample the when broken is easily fixed had it recreated
0: yeah from Fight club and yeah then, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we had we had my my girlfriend at the time say it and it's funny because I, I remember thinking back like oh she killed it it's like exactly the same and they'll listen to it now it's like it's not really the same at yeah. all but you know people still know what it's from I think unless you really a b them um then 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 you don't know but um, yeah so so that's kind of a, a funny story so uh, I remember when I when I when I had this song and it is kind of throwbacky like maybe the the Bleeds no more idea or a concept was sort of in my head. Maybe that's why That ca- that came up as an idea for me. So I I just was like, okay, what's like a cool Monologue I can put in over this part like over this hardcore breakdown I, I don't remember exactly how but you know you just type something in a web browser and you say, okay, what movies are gonna pop up and uh, Wolf of Wall, Wall Street came up like relatively near the beginning of the search and I was like, oh my god this is perfect it even works with the lyrics in the song about this kind of one-sided friendship this sort of like you know person in control of another person doesn't give a fuck about them and that's totally Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Wolf of Wall Street and I just dropped it in and I was like damn this is perfect especially with Leo like literally screaming at the end of the uh at the end of the clip, it was like, this is just too perfect. Like we're getting a Leonardo DiCaprio feature
1: on the record, not just like, it's not just a clip, you know? This is the stressful part because yeah, you can't <laughs> imagine the song without it. It's a transition in the, in the, in the section of the song, right? It's the, the music isn't really doing much. It's just kind of like swelling into the next part. So to remove the sample entirely would be very absent, right? Like the, the right. part would be so, so bare. Um, that it wouldn't really sound right, um, and, and you were pretty set, dead set on making this happen, um, despite the yes. label being very nervous. So what did we do? <laughs> well, well, yeah, you you came to me with this like kind of in the eleventh hour,
4: um, like the record was <laughs> if, already I, mixed. I, I feel like Astrid? it was like eleven fifty nine. Like it was yeah. really. Oh yeah. Right.
0: Oh yeah, and it was like, hey, yeah, we're gonna have to do something about this, and I was like, oh my god, so. I scoured the internet for, like, there's, like, royalty-free movies and stuff. Like, certain ones, their copyright is, like, expired. Um, You know, different movies and and old things. So, I was like, okay, I got to maybe find, like, a cool clip that works. So, I'm, oh, my God. I probably spent a good, like, four or five hours just looking, listening to other movie clips and everything. And, like, nothing was even close like nothing worked and nothing made me feel what this made me feel so um went to bed was like fuck and I woke up in the morning and it just like popped in my into my head I was like wait a second Paul said we could get someone to recreate recreate it so I went on Fiverr and I found a Leonardo DiCaprio impersonator it was like literally the first thing that came up and I was like hey man uh can you do this and he's like okay okay <laughs> and there you go uh fiverr uh not a sponsor of the podcast but could be
1: yeah and and, i mean we got like the files from him sent it to sam sam did his magic kind of massaging it right into place and then it was like this sounds great and like the label's like yeah this works go for it yeah it's 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 pretty crazy I, i remember one of the other
0: clips i had it was from the movie uh requiem for a dream
3: i'm somebody now harry Everybody likes me. Soon, millions of people will see me and they'll all like me. I'll tell them about you your father, how good he was to us. Remember? It's a reason to get up in the morning. It's a reason to lose weight, to fit in a red dress. It's a reason to smile. It makes tomorrow all right.
0: It was a really, really dark clip from Boom for a Dream" that, like, was also I was kicking the tires on, but nothing was topping Leo just screaming at the end
1: of that, uh, at the end of that part. Well, I mean, it, we recreated it. The rest is history. We finished the song. It was, yeah, awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's been pretty cool, and we will have special guest Andrew Newfeld of Comeback Kid on to talk about his part but before we have him do you remember the whole conversation we had with getting him on the song and how that all shook out
4: i absolutely do and uh we were in the process of recording it um we were kicking around some ideas of like guest vocalists i think like across the record like we were saying oh you know it'd be cool to have this person or maybe we can reach out and see if this person or someone um like trevor daniel a great example like seemed like he reached out to us kind of like being like, I'd love to do some collaboration together, but we were thinking that like this song could use like a second voice and someone from the hardcore world. And uh, we, you know, we've talked about the recording process for misery made me, we were staying uh, in the studio, like an apartment attached to the studio in us weekend. And I had gone home for a couple of days for the weekend. And I actually ran into Andrew um, just, like, walking on, like, Ossington, and we had a quick little catch-up and, ch- and a chat, and then I came back to the studio, and it's, like, Monday morning in the studio, and, and we're working on this song, and you and Sam were just, like, oh, like, I wonder who we're gonna get for this, and my phone buzzes, and it's a text from Andrew being, like, dude, so good to see you the other day, like, we we totally got to hang, like, um we should totally do some touring together this year, like, uh, you know, th- all this, and I was just, like, uh, guys, like, what about Goose? <laughs> like, and you were just like yeah (laughs) I know
0: text him right now you know it's it's funny because because he he came to mind first like originally that was like the first person that came to mind and then I don't remember what was happening but I was I was having a conversation with Sam about it I think we we were talking about Knocked Loose because they had just put out that like crazy uh, EP or whatever Maybe my times are mixed up, but regardless, um, knock loose, Brian from knock loose came to mind, but it was funny because I actually did think about goose before I even ever even thought about Brian from knock loose, um, on the song. But, um, it's like he killed it. Like it's so perfect the the shift in, in like the
1: rage and just the, the amount of attitude he brings is like, is, is really, really great. I mean, I mean, just a quick, quick you know, sidebar to the video. I mean, he brought so much energy to that video shoot that I think we were bouncing off the walls for the rest of the day. You know what I mean? Just having that extra outside body just coming in, it was it was great. Yeah, that was really special.
4: I wish that my phone, I have it set to like delete text messages after a certain amount of time. I wish that I had the text because it was literally just like him saying like, hey man, so good to see you. Like we got to hang again. Uh, and then me being like, You want to sing on this song and he's just like sure (laughs) and then we just yeah we set it up to have him come it was after we had finished all the tracking we were like well we're all the way out here but if you're in Toronto um you know Sam is we're gonna be wrapping up and Sam's gonna be back in his studio so uh you could just you know kind of go into Sam's studio in Toronto and uh we can you know lay it down figure something out and yeah he came in and just like absolutely crushed it
0: yeah absolutely
4: yeah bill i think you were there right when he i was i was meaning to go and it got to a point where i i like had this plan to go and then like the afternoon kind of got away from me and then all of a sudden i was just like oh shit it's like time that this is happening and like there's no way that i make it across town in traffic and like make it there to even say hi kind of thing like he's recording like a 30 second part here you know like how long is this really going to take
0: <laughs> longer than you think is the answer always longer than you think
4: <laughs> yeah totally but then uh hit, but like he just starts hitting me up with videos of him in the booth
1: like screaming it and sam <laughs> that, that's what it was because yeah you're you're texting us videos that he yeah that, that's how we got it yeah
4: he absolutely crushed it and like uh and it's cool too because like we had uh scott wade which is the uh former vocalist from comeback kids he's, he's a good friend of ours he's a uh former roommate of mine, he's he sang on Born Dead and he sang on short songs. Um but it's cool because like we we never toured with Comeback Kid when Scott was in the band. We've always toured with them starting back in like I think our our uh the first time that we toured with Comeback Kid was also supporting Rise Against. And I think that might have been Andrew's first tour as the lead vocalist. So uh oh, we wow. go back that was 2007 I believe so we go back with Andrew on the you know sort of on the touring side we've toured Europe together we have toured Australia together um, so it just kind of made sense like why wouldn't we have Andrew on a song like after all these years
0: yeah it's absolutely it makes perfect sense and and yeah and, and about the video uh, you know it's such a cool experience for him to come in as a guest vocalist and it was, like, a Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. It was the, n- the night after the, the the clocks had just gone gone uh, forward, too. So we'd all lost an hour of sleep. And there he is at 10 a.m., like, revved up, ready to go. The first thing we shot was us together in that, in that, like, old, decrepit bathroom in this old house. And it was, like, I couldn't believe how jacked up he was, excited to do this. It was really inspiring to me because i'll I'll be honest making music videos is absolutely my least favorite part of this job (laughs) i do not like it like it at all so for him to be there and all excited and like excited about the song and trying to perform and getting himself psyched up and like he he doesn't lip sync he like goes full on vocally like loud when he's when he's doing his his um video takes so i was like all right fuck like let's go man i'm i i gotta be like at your
1: level dude and, uh, and it was great and he, he just crushed it. it it's good too because it, it really set the bar because the video is ultra high energy uh, I remember why it Pitching the treatment to me and he's like i want this video to look like a zine whatever that means but i'm like sounds <laughs> crazy chaotic and the video wasn't easy to film either right like we're talking it's basically sub freezing temperatures the heating doesn't really work uh you're wearing a crazy camera yeah, rig that's like rig. the size of a lawnmower on either side of you to get those cool like front pov shots or whatever yeah. and then you have like oh we're setting up different shots Repeatedly, it's like a long, you know, ten-hour day. So, but we have to bring our A-game. Like every shot has to be on eleven. Um, but luckily, yeah, I think it, we just set the day up for success. Starting with Andrew, um, everyone was on the same page, and it really it, the video is so awesome. Like I'm, I'm really, really happy with this one.
0: Yeah, it's probably, it's probably my favorite video we've done in a while, and it was so there was something about shooting it that was, I don't know, just kind of uplifting. Like the the setting was for people that have seen the video. Uh, we shot it in this old mansion that someone told me was built in like the 1920s uh, in Mississauga, Ontario, right off of Mississauga Road. It was really crazy because it, it hadn't been updated in probably like 40 to 50 years at all. And everything just kind of seemed like it was sort of left behind. And it was obviously like very high end stuff and like, you know, antique every, everywhere. But then there was like certain stuff where it's just like, well, there's this, this fucking whole wall is like cracked and shitty and there's like this roof is broken and there's like water coming in and all this stuff. But but in this like pretty nice house, it was like really quite a weird atmosphere to do a to do music video. It,
1: it felt like kind of like the compound of a post-apocalyptic movie where like we've all banded together and we've we're held up in this really huge house. It's like, but like on the outside, it's very bad. You know, it, it felt really, really like a weird compound setting. But uh yeah, it turned out awesome.
4: The story that I heard was that the uh, the city wouldn't give them the proper permits to like renovate this this house because it's like a heritage property. but then it's the thing where like they can't you know, somebody that owns it can't like go in there and update it and make it modern. And you know, if you're going to buy like a $20 million house or whatever, like you want to be able to to expand on it and work on it. And the city was just pushing back. So it's just been kind of sitting in limbo. And yeah, it seems like it just gets used for, you know, uh, film shoots, commercials, this kind of stuff um, as wanting like a decrepit place. But
1: yeah, I mean, it had a lot of creepy like rooms and like different features and stuff but like i don't think most people shoot in that pool in fact i don't think anyone goes in that pool and of course why it wanted to put us into the pool yeah. that was full of ice uh when we came in because the roof was leaking it was freezing but it, tr- it looks great but it was like we're always pushing the boundaries of what's what's safe and acceptable uh, on a video shoot now i don't think i breathed right for like days afterwards there was
2: uh some Pretty crazy dust and mold in that uh, that oh, place. Oh yeah.
4: <laughs> Shane also reminded me um, of my uh, sort of panic moment. Uh, the the I guess morning of the shoot. Um, now, just to give you a little bit of a sort of behind the scenes intel uh, here in Camp Silverstein, we we try these days to do as much uh, kind of together as, as possible. Like ca- kind of try to pull all of our. Um, you know, video shoots is a great example. Like, we we shot a video the day before for Live Like This. It was like, let's get two videos done in one weekend. Like, we're going to bang them out. You know, Shane and Josh are both living out of town. They can just come in for one weekend. Um, so we did a whole day video shoot for Live Like This. Um, and then I came home, um, you know, was kind of tired. Um, went and had some dinner, came back, put on the Raptors game, was watching basketball. <laughs> and... Uh, I guess I fell asleep during the Raptors game and it was daylight savings. So um, the the clock had changed and there was just this moment where I, I woke up and my like lights were on. I was like, I think I was still maybe in my clothes. I I, like looked at (laughs) my phone and it was, and it said like 1201 and I'm like thinking like, did I sleep through the, the video shoot? And I'm like, literally, like I just have my phone in my hand and I just text everyone, like, guys, I'm so sorry, I slept through the shoot. And then I realized that it was like midnight and not noon. (laughs) And, you know, I had to be at this video shoot at 10 a.m. or something or 9 a.m. And I thought that I had over or I thought that I like had set because I set my alarm quite early. I thought that I had like set it and then turned it off or then like daylight savings time kicked in. And I just had this moment of like it was probably about a minute and a half where I was just like freaking out. And I was like kind of run up the stairs and and, um, you know, he's caught it on the phone. (laughs) I've I've got got the text. Yes yeah and uh, and, and two I, I recently like um moved my bedroom in my house to my basement and so like I didn't see that it was dark outside still like oh, yeah. um and yeah I just had this freak out moment and then I just kind of went upstairs and I'm like wait a minute it's it's midnight
1: <laughs> like, it would have been better if you started Brewing coffee Drink a whole cup Yeah was like, Okay I'm ready to go Oh it's midnight And now I need to go back to bed That's gonna be really difficult now
4: I was like Why aren't uh, I getting texts Like being like What the fuck man Where are you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Billy's texts I have them right here Yes
0: you're right 12.01 a.m. Yeah. Um, fuck. Sorry, everyone. I overslept somehow and just woke up. Oops. Never mind. I just woke up and looked at the time and freaked out. Brain is a little broken. Back to sleep I go. And Josh replies, Good night, Billy.
3: And
0: that's it. <laughs> oh, really funny. Yep. No, I mean, I think that's happened. I think it's happened to most of us, like,
1: at some point in our lives, but not. It hasn't happened to me in a very long time. I, I think it's just the journey that this song has taken us on from being a bit of reminiscent of the past, a bit chaotic, a lot of fun, a lot of high energy. Um, and, and Shannon, I don't know if you were going to bring this up, but I want to talk about the recording because I think what's so important to note about Misery Made Me and particularly mm-hmm. about this record or this song on the record as we recorded, did we not, did we not record feedback for this song on like day two of the Misery Made Me session? We went, it was like, all right, we're starting pre-production. We're just going to go right to the feedback of Die Alone. That's the first thing we're recording. You're right. <laughs> and I was really picky about the feedback. In, in fact,
0: jo- like Josh and I worked out a whole rig of, you know, because with feedback, you, ha- you have to use like real amps and real guitars and like a loud fucking room to get it to sound right. So we were plugging in all these different pedals and amps and everything to try to get like the perfect, you know, like get it all like just the perfect feedback. And I was, we recorded it. We took a while to record it. And then I think we ended up redoing it a couple like times later with, I brought a different amp from home to try to get like the one, the feedback from the demo. Cause I liked the feedback of the demo and it was like. It was probably a waste of time but
1: well i i think but that again much like this song set us on different you know paths and open up the record it's like okay if we're doing feedback for dial on on day two what's day three gonna be like what's day four like it was really like Any day, and I think Sam touched on this too uh, on the podcast, was like, it's like whatever you felt like in the moment. If you felt like singing, go in the booth, give us a take, you know? We wanna do drums, cool, let's do that for an afternoon. Like, whatever Sam or whatever us are feeling in that moment, we're ready to go. And we had a feedback set up, you know, a noisy guitar rig the entire um, session. And sometimes you guys were using it to layer stuff, right? Even just to beef up certain sections. And I remember even up to the last minute, Sam's like, oh, we need that. Right, Josh. Like we need, we need an extra layer on this song or whatever, and you, right down to the eleventh hour on that too. Yeah,
2: I think we kept adding different pedals to the <laughs> signal chain, uh, and then we'd be like, oh oh, we've kind of got into a sweet spot now. We need to go back to those other songs that we've already tracked stuff on and add this because it's uh, it's really singing right now.
3: It's
1: yeah, I think that was out. like the final day. Yeah, like Sam's just there, just like, okay, we, know we need another layer, one more. We need more
3: feedback!
1: <laughs> I think that speaks to the process that we were
4: going for, though, because like you said... And on previous episodes, we talked is like we wanted to have everything just sort of set up and ready to go. That we weren't just like tracking everything like one by one, layer by layer. It was just like, let's just have everything. And then if there's a moment or there's an idea, we can just sort of do it. And I think, you know, you set up the drums. Got it all. The drums all tuned up and everything ready to go. And on day one, and then on day two, it was like, well, we got to set up an amp because, like, we need, like, yes, we're gonna use, we're gonna use some stuff in the box, but we're gonna uh, want to have something uh, rigged up for feedback. And then it was like, why don't we just get the feedback now? It's it's just sounding cool, right? Like,
0: yeah. What was that amp called? Like, it was. It wasn't a Doctor Dan. It was something. Like it was
2: Doctor right? Dan. It Was a Doctor. That's the, that's what it's called, Doctor Dan. I believe so.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it was like a. I'm, 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 modded uh like Marshall JMP style amp but not Dan Yeeman no No, I but think not the same
0: right. Dr. Dan that amp ripped I wonder I
2: wonder how many tracks of feedback ended up
0: on it oh man you know what I, I just closed the Pro Tools session but I, I uh I could tell you there's, there's a lot layers. is there going to be yeah. a
4: feedback acapella <laughs> can yeah can you acapella the feedback I want to hear just the feedback with no other instruments <laughs> Yes, I can. <laughs>
2: <laughs> In listening back to the uh, the demo, which actually, by the way, you were kind of self deprecating about the recording, but I, you know, as far as demos go, it sounded pretty good. I think you just got some new uh, recording gear ahead of this record, did you not?
0: I, I have a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I think.
2: Didn't you just get that? Uh, uh, what the Apollo?
0: Yeah, I got the Apollo I think on the August burns red tour we did in 2019 mm. and that was like my my sort of like okay I gotta start getting a little more serious about um, my demos and recordings and stuff so it was like what I used for some demos I made for like beautiful place to drown and all that but then when the pandemic hit it was like okay I'm stuck I'm stuck around like I watched a lot of you know YouTube videos Clips on how to do certain recordings and how to use like programs like Melodyne and and like shit like that and, and everything so yeah I ended up with like a bunch of like mic preamps and I think I have I have like a couple nice like really nice high end microphones now and stuff like that just because it's like well I don't know how long we're going to be sitting around at home so let's get some good gear so thank you I think the demo is trash but um, you said it's nice that you said some some nice things about it and those neural DSP plugins for the guitars, wow! Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Those those are such uh, game changers, man. Like, I I've I, I never could find guitar plugins that sounded as good as literally me just taking a microphone and putting it in front of a real amp in my house. I they, they they were never as good for me. They always like just sounded weird or like I was getting weird latency and I could like never figure out how to record them properly. Um, and then when the neural stuff came out uh, i think the first one that i really that i had was the um Fortin, i think Fortin it was called and man that was good I'm but couldn't. the but the gojira one that i think is like that's the best guitar modeling uh plugin i've ever heard yeah.
4: and this podcast could be brought to you by neural dsp
0: <laughs> uh, hey give us a call we uh we are we're accepting sponsors um especially ones like that of companies we actually like and use that is that is awesome um but yeah what I was leading into saying here was
2: from listening to the demo I almost wonder did we overdo it with the feedback having some of those dropouts just empty is a little heavy too
0: I know I fucking agree with you dude and it's funny because I hadn't heard the demo until today In a long time. Yeah, same. And I was like, oh, the first ones didn't have feedback. That was kind of sick. Yeah. And now it's like we did a lot of feedback. We're like, damn it, we're going to use this feedback. That's for sure. Or or even if
2: you did feedback and then eventually left one empty, people would be like, oh, it's so empty. Like my insides. (laughs) Big,
0: beefy, juicy track. Big, beefy, juicy track. Yes, it is. And big, beefy, juicy... Screaming a- acapella vocals, which um, I don't know if this is just gonna hurt everybody's ears, but since we we've, we've been doing this with all the songs, I guess we will do this for this one too. Uh, what do you guys think? Die alone acapella. Let's have it. A one do it. And a two and a one, two, three,
3: four. What will it take to make you believe me? The ears trust are long. I've carefully carved the sculptures that kept you holding on! I'm the tallest tree! You're the saddest son! So take my words and don't replace them with lies you sold your are We share a common enemy! It's everyone and everything! There's no one there! No one can save you! You think I'm holding back! Just wait to see me do my worst! Do my worst! You're gonna call this an attack! You ain't seen nothing yet! Nothing yet! Without me! You're not
1: Here comes Goose.
3: Yeah! We stopped the moon and cut throats! Only these gave us hope! And no one cares! No one, cares. No one fucking cares. No one will save you! And if you think I'm holding back, I'm holding back. just wait! You're gonna say something! Without me! Killers. My killers who will not take no for an answer Will not hang up the phone Till their client either buys or fucking dies You traitor! We had a pact we would never surrender No hope! No No, hope. no prize. Prize. Otherwise, there was never an answer So, so you can carry on yourself on. alone
2: Okay, that's yeah. not an acapella. That's a smackapella.
0: <laughs> there is the song and the acapella for Dialogue, and uh, yeah, that's that's quite something. It is funny that like harmony that jumps out with goose that goose harmonized like just in the middle of the song, like so like beautiful. For, like, yeah, there was one parts second. that sounded
1: like a choir. I'm like, it's like the light shining down. It's I so know
0: it is really funny. But that goes right back to like what we said almost at the top of this podcast about. About the singing being somewhat random, but also, I don't know. I think it kind of it's kind of important to convey the the theme that is which is what we do. You know, you
2: could really hear the Leo impersonator there.
0: Yeah, you could you could kind of. Well, here's the thing. I think if you didn't know, like if you you'd be like, oh, that's from Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, that's Leo. But we had heard that clip so much because it was also the intro. To our last tour,
1: for like what thirty something shows. Well, th- that was the Easter egg, right? On our last tour, it was bankrupt. Yeah. The the you know the bass wobbling with that that Wolf of Wall Street sample on top, which I think is cool now for the people. that be like, "Oh, I see what you did there." And I wonder but... if people, if anyone's gonna pick up on that. Like, oh yeah, yeah. like
0: I'm, I'm sure some people will be like, "Oh yeah, they used the Wolf Wolf of Wall Street clip, and now it's in their new song. That's pretty cool." Maybe,
1: uh, but it was and, all planned.
0: <laughs> and at the tail
2: end of the sample, there was there a uh, like crowd noise layered in. There was there was
1: before though, I think, right? Didn't, was didn't well, there
0: yeah. is one in the original sample of Wolf of Wall Street. Like it's you know when he because the office the, like cheers. Yeah, so there was that in, and I and I had it in the the original demo, and I had it carrying on quite long, um, and then yeah, Sam just like found crowd crowd noise and like dropped it in there to. To recreate, you know, that that clip because obviously the Leo impersonator didn't didn't do that part Although he did do the like the like tapping on the microphone thing um, Which I think we ended up kind of getting rid of because it was a little out of place, but yeah, it's uh (laughs) It's pretty funny. There's a lot. There's a lot of stories behind this song. So it's it's uh This is this is why we do this podcast you want to hear the the deep dive into all the little little things um, you're gonna get it here, and you're gonna get nothing. the whole truth and nothing but the truth.
2: I just want to thank you for writing a heavy punky song that uh, allowed me to wear a biker jacket and plaid pants for a music video. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, Josh, looking back at the video, I think your wardrobe won that day. I think it really did.
2: It certainly kept me warm. Uh, yeah. it, it was no uh, you know sweater vest with, uh, <laughs> with without a shirt underneath it, which maybe is why he's sick. Maybe I don't know,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it could be it couldn't it couldn't have helped being in that environment, cold, dirty, moldy, yeah, yeah, sorry, paul mark if we if we die alone might have really put you out for the count before we go, we're going to bring on a very special guest. Here he is, Mr. Andrew Newfeld of comeback Kid. Andrew, dude, thank you so much for for doing this. thanks for having me. Of course, we're here today to talk about. Brand new track, Dialone, featuring yourself. Dialone. Dialone, baby. Very uplifting title. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, a song that, you know, I kind of came up with uh, in a dark time, you know, really just like, uh, I don't know, middle of the pandemic, really frustrated, having a bad day, went down to the basement. I I just got this new, um, uh, well, old, I got a JCM 800 I found on um, on Kijiji, and I just went yeah. to my basement. I cranked it up. I tuned my guitar really low, and out this kind of song came. Um, yeah. But from your perspective, what did you think of it when uh, when you first heard it?
5: Well, uh, yeah, I, I'd heard it. I can't remember if I heard it before I came to the studio with Sam or not. Um, but uh, the thing that I kind of was just about to say was like the takeaway from that is, you know, it's a pretty angry song. And what I like about what we can do with like our lyrics and songs is you can like kind of put yourself in a situation where it may not be like fully reality. Like you're pretty cutthroat in that song and pretty hateful. I don't think you're ever going to like, necessarily be like that you know in your day-to-day life but but that's kind of the kind of thing you could do i wouldn't call it a character but it's just like a side of you that you want to get out and that's kind of the cool thing about writing songs and putting yourself into that perspective of of, uh of a of a a feeling you don't necessarily have to like live that out in a very hateful way in your day-to-day life but if you're able to express those feelings in your song and then that kind of that's what i took away from it i'm like well fuck like you definitely wanted to Yes, he, he was pissed at the moment, you know, right. and, and a little caution to the wind as far as like how you deliver that, that uh, the anger to, towards that, the the other person on, on the other side of that.
0: Totally, totally. Well, I mean, as yeah. a guy that's obviously familiar with what we do, what Silverstein does, what I do vocally, um, were you a little a little surprised that this song was so low tuned, fast, like obviously a lot of hardcore influences
5: I, I came into it though because I told because uh, Paul kind of like gave me a little bit of a prequel to it I think and it was just like it's we're gonna do a heavy song and i I, I kind of remember that going into it knowing that it was gonna be a little bit of a a heavier tone but at the same time I think it does have those classic like moments you know you know I was able to i I don't know if you guys intended to have me on that part but you did a melodic part so I could yeah. do a little harmony there yeah yeah yeah, it yeah so beautiful. it was fun no it was fun but i, I I think that you guys have a lot of heavy parts like that, don't you? Like, it, that's kind of like, that's kind of the juxtaposition you've always had, I feel like.
0: Yeah, you know? no, 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 abso- absolutely. But I think just the the yeah. straight ahead, like, you know, the fast punk beat, uh, you know, in there. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. Hardcore, there's a little blast beat in there for a second. Which is some stuff we haven't explored.
5: I channeled, uh, somehow, for some reason, just the way that you, the, the the timing was on the pattern. I just, you know, like I just I definitely channeled some sort of like Chris Hannah uh one of for a, like a thrash like a propaganda thrash song or something like that kind of uh inflection I guess sure on some of that sure no that, that's that what was, I was channeling there that's so, that's yeah.
0: funny so unfortunately when you recorded your part uh with our producer Sam at his studio I wasn't able to be there um and Sam yeah. but Sam was was texting me throughout and yeah he kept saying that you th- We're really trying to channel that Chris Hanna propagandi vibe, which is funny because right now you're in Winnipeg. Uh, You know, it's like the home home of Comeback Kid and the home of propagandi. I didn't hear that influence, but now. Well, maybe because it's more of like. like I was trying to be a little bit more of. Tongue
5: in cheek in the delivery, but again, when I'm screaming, it sounds like me. So it's just gonna, it's gonna. Well, well, was it it important
0: though to to try to make it your own? I mean, you added some some different things in there, and I I really like that because sometimes it annoys me almost when we have a feature and then it's like the person will try to just sound like me, like what I'm doing, like the demo, and I'm like, no, 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 you need to do you. And that's part of why I really liked it, because you added your own, uh, you know, Andrew Neufeld um, vibe to it and made it your own. Was that mm-hmm. something you thought about? It kind of just came off the cuff? Something you worked with with Sam? It,
5: it definitely, like, we worked on stuff. I tried some stuff out that was cool. Some stuff maybe wasn't as cool as other parts. And that, like, I'm pretty good with, like, just, you know, if it doesn't work, we move on really quickly. Um, but, I like, just kind of coming back to that, like, channeling thing, it's like, I do that a lot with vocals. Like I sometimes think in my head, like, Oh, I'm going to kind of try to do it this way. And it probably kind of channel other people's vibes, but it's always my vibe, but it's just like, just, just to like draw inspiration from like, Oh, like this part's like a super like Marauder part, like for, you know, for a heavy, like, you know? And then, so I, I usually need other, like just me, I use other people as inspiration when I'm like coming up with my own shit, you know? And it just turns out, it did never, again, like, it's me, so I don't feel like, maybe in my mind, it's, you know, I'm channeling that, but it always usually kind of falls back into the the, the the umbrella, you know what I'm saying?
0: For sure. Well, one thing I, I really admire about you as a, as a performer is you're always on. It doesn't seem like you have, like, okay, now I'm on stage, now I'm, like, I'm showing off in front of a crowd. It's like, you always have this kind of raw energy inside you, and that made it was very, very obvious when we were doing that video together. Um, The the music video was so much fun. But, you know, you came in, it was, I think it was a Sunday. It was like 10 in the morning. The clocks had just, you know, gone um, forward. So we were an hour earlier and here you are like showing up. (laughs) Well, you didn't look it, man. You were bright eyed and bushy tailed like, and you were going hard, man. I I, like was really impressed. It, It helped me step up my game.
5: It, yeah, no I, I came I came like I was I was there to to make sure I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. <laughs> but you know, just do do my thing for you guys. I just want to impress you guys, you know, just want to do my, the, my my best for you. Well, you did. but I mean that,
0: that can be such an awkward situation. I mean, it's not your band. You're going into this completely yeah. people. and obviously we're not strangers. we know each other, but you know, uh, we're not best friends. So it's like you know coming into that yeah. environment, there's always there's got to be a little bit of nerves, right?
5: Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that's when you have to like, just be like, you know what? I'm here for a re-, like, just try to put that stuff, like try to put your inhibitions, whatever you're here for a reason. Everyone's there. And like, for those that don't know, you know, a Silverstein like video, it's not like a crazy crew or anything, but it's like a good size. You know, there's like eight to 10 people there. Like everyone's there doing a job. And so uh, I also like sometimes work in film, uh, like, you know, I drive a truck and stuff for it. So I know that everyone's there and like time is money sure and so like you i did not you do not want to like like mess around like maybe on a comeback in video it's one or two guys sometimes we're on tour we're messing around and stuff uh, but when when i know that there's like a, a clock and a, and a video budget i <laughs> i just wanted to make sure just to let's get it and uh, oh no you but were- like how long did you guys take on that did you guys take a while after a two-day shoot or was it a
0: no, we got it all done in one day. It was it really wasn't too much longer after you left. Um, and thank you yeah, thank you for Hanging around for for a few hours to do to do a couple locations and
5: I love talking to all you guys and picking Paul's brain all the time and shit too. So oh it's yeah, good. oh yeah,
0: no, it's uh, yeah, it, yeah. it's it's awesome, man. Um, but no, thank you for being in the video. I I love the shot we did. I think we kind of came up with it too. Like a little bit of a director credit for Shane and Andrew here with pushing the camera. You know, from from me, well, to you, and back. That was pretty sick.
5: I I'm actually. Cons- I was surprised though because your your pushing camera shot made it, but mine didn't because I saw a back uh, like a, an old shot of it before the video came out where I'm going like that, but I guess that shot didn't make it. Really? Which I, I like that your shot made it, but then my shot didn't.
3: Oh. Like
5: I, huh. yeah, but it's it's interesting. But they were both they were both like you got the shot, but I also kind of wanted the shot. <laughs>
0: I, yeah, man. Maybe we'll have to release the rough cut with the other push. I don't know. I didn't I didn't know <laughs> yeah, that. I don't know if I've seen the actual I haven't been on YouTube to watch the actual one, but yeah, I man, it's possible. It's not the the final yeah. Cut. I, I think don't know. someone
5: sent me someone sent me like just like uh, I think Billy or something just sent me like a text of it. I'm like, oh, sick, it worked. and then uh yours made it but my kids
0: so,
5: <laughs> pretty classic
0: absolutely well yeah the, the, yeah the song the song is out people are really enjoying it and uh thank you Dude. so much for for being a part of it
5: i've been getting a lot of feedback about it too that's dope yeah man it's it's awesome and there's something i want to i'd want to talk about but we can't talk about it yet right
3: what,
0: what a potential tour with silverstein and comeback kid maybe this year yeah yeah, we know we definitely yeah. we definitely can't talk about it. In fact, we're talking about it, <laughs> okay. and we can't talk about it. But we're talking about it, so we're talking about it. So just that's we're just, excited. Take it and go. Just you know, keep that in the back of your mind that there could be something uh, uh, afoot, if you will.
5: It will be since the Australian tour that we did together right. I think that was the last time yeah
0: that's right well we got to check so. off some we got to check off some different territories uh Silverstein and and Comeback Kid together and we always have Hell so much yeah. fun with you guys on the road so um hopefully we can make Hell it yeah. happen I'm not saying it's happening hopefully I think we can do something in the future totally that's totally. all we can say
5: I think it'll just get better and better from here man
0: absolutely dude well Andrew uh, I'll let you go man uh anything else to tell the people about Die Alone or anything else no man i mean
5: uh dude just so stoked i feel like again this is a kind of a prequel to something maybe cooler that will happen later this year and uh you know i can't wait to maybe play it with you that'd be dope
0: let's go i'd love love to play with you
5: hell yeah thanks man love you guys so much take care
0: that is our episode of Die Alone. and of course if you missed the first episodes of the podcast go back and listen to those ones and make sure that you are subscribed to our channel. Hit the button on whatever you're listening to. It'll say either follow or subscribe or something so that you don't miss all the episodes we're going to do for every single track on Misery Made Me. Thank you so much for listening.
3: What will it take to make you believe me? The user are trussed and i carefully charge the sculptures that kept you holding on. Destros. We share a common enemy It's everyone and everything